Welcome to our morning service. Thank you for being here and being ready to worship. Who's ready to worship the King of Kings? Who's ready to push in a little stronger and a little deeper to get what God has for them this morning? Will you stand to your feet? Let's just have a heart of thanksgiving to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's just thank him for being a good, 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 good God. We love him. We bless you. And we praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Here we go, everybody. Come on, clap those hands. You've been 
just thank him this morning. You've been so good. Oh, some hand praise right where you're standing right where you're standing this morning but we just thank you that word's not good enough but we thank you lord we give honor and glory to you god and we just praise you almighty king because you truly are worthy to be praised this morning and our hearts are filled with thanks for you god because every day you just cover us with your love you cover us with your mercy and the most important gift that we could have from you is salvation. You cover us with your blood that washes us white as snow, God. We bless you this morning, and we thank you for your grace, Lord. Because if we weren't covered by that, where would we be? It's so amazing. Somebody said lost. Absolutely. We don't have to be lost because of you, God. So help us to invite you into our hearts if we don't know you. Help us to invite you into our hearts and just cling on to you for our lives depend on it, God. We bless you and we just praise you this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Church shot, amen. Oh, oh. Oh 
No matter what I've 
Jesus. God is no respecter of person. Whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. You're covered by his grace this morning. Just invite him into your heart this morning and let him just reside there. We live in the beauty of our Savior and the great work that he did on the cross. Lord, we just love and we bless you and we praise you this morning. Lift up a shout to the king this morning. Come on. It's truly awesome to just worship with people that don't mind opening their mouths and lifting their hands to the king. We realize we've been through something and we got a little ways to go, but he's brought us from a mighty long way. Amen. Oh, he's going to see us to the end. Lord, we bless you this morning. I want to welcome you to the Champion Center. We have so many people that watch us online. So real quickly, will you look at that camera and say, welcome Champion Center online. Thank you for making the Champion Center your place of worship this morning. And truly, wherever you are, you are covered by His grace. God bless you this morning. Here's our motto. Say, we belong. We belong. Come on, we're strong. We're, strong. we're champions, champions together. God bless you. Will you please put a smile on your face, show the love of Jesus, and shake some hands where you're seated this morning. God bless you today.
Hello, and welcome to the Champion Center. We're so glad that you're here today to join us for worship. Now, if you're new, or even if you're not new, there's an orange belong card in the seat front in front of you. Everybody take it out. Whether you're a new guest, whether you want to volunteer, or you want prayer, it's there for you. We really want to get connected with you. So fill it out, give it to an usher, or bring it to the Welcome Center. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. We want you guys to know that Wednesday nights have become amazing here at the Champion Center. This past Wednesday, during our in our main service, Pastor John Killam did an amazing job asking us, why should we pray? Wow, doesn't everybody want to know that? We have gone deeper and deeper in prayer, and if you're interested in, in deepening your relationship with God, please come join us because we are digging deep and holding on to God with everything that we have. Also, our youth, junior high and high school, Pastor Trevor and Holly, they've relaunched it. And from what I heard, the kids are saying it's absolutely amazing. So whether you're an adult or you're in junior high and high school, we have a place for you Wednesday nights here at 7 p.m. Calling all golfers. You know, we have this golf tournament coming up, red and black golf tournament. If you golf, if you're good or not so good, it doesn't matter, we're supporting our school, Mountain View Christian School. Guys, pull out those golf clubs, even if they're in the back, dust them off. We'd love to see you at the golf tournament. It is October, Monday, October the 2nd is when the tournament is, but sign up now so you don't miss it. Or, you know, you can go to mvcs.net and get all the information that you need and sign up. It's Hope Las Vegas time. I hope you're excited. I sure am. November the 18th is when we will be doing our Thanksgiving Hope Las Vegas. So in the lobby today, we are selling hamburgers. Please go out and get one. We're raising money. We're getting ready for this. It's gonna be exciting for us, the community surrounding us. We also need volunteers. We need donations. So you know what? Go to the lobby, to the foyer, and we can help you get signed up. Also, you can go to hopelasvegas.org for donations. Thank you so much for all of your help. Thanks again for being here this weekend. If you have any questions or need anything, we have ushers that are in the lobby or in the sanctuary that would love to help you. You can always connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or championlv.com. And never forget, we belong, we are strong, and we're champions together. Well, good morning. Uh, just want to give you a, a kind of a quick update. Um, it was like two days ago, we had gotten a uh, number, of, number, number of our golfers who are actually uh, in the construction business. And they're like, we just can't play on Monday because we're so busy. And so just kind of taking that into account, we're actually going to postpone uh, the golf tournament until the springtime. So uh, that gives any of you guys that didn't have a chance to sign up, gives you some time to go work on your game, and that way you can come out and join us in the springtime. All right? I want to share something with you uh, out of the book of Kings. Uh, this is 2 Kings. And uh, there's a story there that I think will give us some uh, wisdom and insight. So go ahead and pull it up for me, guys. Okay. Well, what, okay, um, so 
There is a story, um, and it's, uh, I think I'm going to try to read it off the back. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets, ah, that's too small. You know what? Basically, I'm just going to tell it to you. Basically, there is a, uh, a woman who is a widow at this point in time, and she was a widow uh, underneath the prophet Elisha. And she had gotten into a situation where, um, because of her husband's death, she had fallen behind with her creditors. Uh, and her creditors were actually coming to take and threaten to take her children away. Okay? So it's one thing to be, you know, got the bill collectors ringing your phone. It's another thing when your bill collectors are saying, hey, we're going to take your kids from you. All right? And so... She basically went to the prophet Elisha, and she says, hey, um, my husband, he followed you. <laughs> I need help. And the prophet, the man of God, asked her this one question. He says to her, what do you have in the house? That's the question. What do you have in the house? Her response was this. Her response was, I have nothing except a little bit of olive oil, okay? I have nothing except a little bit of olive oil. And so what he told her to do was, he says, listen, I need you to go and get all the jars that you can. Go borrow some jars if you need to, but bring them all back. Go behind the door, close up, and once you're back there, start taking the little bit of oil you have and start filling up all the jars, and she did. She poured out. She poured out. She took that little bit, and she kept pouring out. She kept pouring out. She kept filling. She got to the point, she's like, bring some more jars. And they're like, that's it. We don't have any more jars. Then the Bible says, then the oil stopped flowing. Okay? Why am I telling you this? Because in that moment, there was an opportunity. When the prophet asked her, what do you have in the house? It would have been easy for her to say, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. But what she said is, no, I don't have anything, but I have a little bit of oil. Okay? In other words, the question is, is what are you going to trust God with? What are you going to trust God with? Because here's the thing. He took what she had, even though it was a little bit of oil, and he multiplied it. He multiplied it. He made it exceed, meet and exceed her needs. So I guess that's the question we have this morning is that, you know, we can say, you know, what do you have in the house? I don't have anything. Or we can do like the woman and say, you know, I'm going to trust you, God, with what I have. I'm going to trust you with this little bit, and I'm going to trust that you're going to multiply it. You're going to have it meet every single need. You're going to make it meet every single need that there is. So this is really an opportunity to allow God to multiply, to allow God to meet your need and to exceed it. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this blessing. We thank you for the privilege to worship you, to praise you, to honor you. So Lord, take this, use this for your kingdom work. In Jesus' name, amen. Over my circumstance, 
giving me another chance. You reign. Over my circumstance, giving me another chance. You reign. You reign, my God, you reign. Over my circumstance, giving me another chance. You reign. Yes, you do. Oh, over my circumstance, giving me another chance. Oh, you reign, you reign, my God, you reign. Come on, he's our king. Oh, yeah, you reign, you reign, oh, you reign. Come on, tell him this morning, you reign. Just magnify him wherever you stand this morning. Come on, he still reigns. You still reigns. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, in the audience, will you sing? You reign. You reign. Tell him you reign in all glory, God. Oh, you reign, you reign, you reign, you reign, my God, you reign. That's one of the beauties of worship is that when we worship, not only are we giving God uh, what he deserves, but we're also being reminded. Uh, it's a reminder to us, knowing that God reigns. Um, when I sing that, it's, it's, it's an encouragement to me in that moment to know that regardless of what I'm facing, that regardless of what's against me, that God is still in control. I don't know about you, but I need that encouragement. I need that reminder from time to time to know that, you know what, despite how chaotic it may look, despite how chaotic it may feel, that God is still in control. Lord, I thank you this morning I thank you, Lord, this morning that you are in control. I thank you this morning that you reign. I thank you this morning there is no doubt at all, at all, who the ultimate authority is this morning. So, Father, this morning we invite you into this place 
we invite you into our hearts. We invite you into our song. We invite you into this message. We invite you throughout these hallways. May your presence be tangibly felt today. May your word strengthen us. May your presence just secure us. We love you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, over the last uh, four weeks, we have, been in t- we have been in the middle of a series entitled The Battle Plan or, or Being Battle Ready. And we've basically been focusing on how to be prepared for spiritual attacks, how, how, to, how, to, you know, how to be ready for spiritual warfare. We started in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, we found a four-step battle plan. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I happen to learn by repetition. The more I hear something and the more I see it, the more that it sticks. And I think that this is an important thing, and I want to keep repeating it. I want you guys to keep getting it in your hearts and your spirits because the thing is, is I don't ever want you to be in a position where you're like, okay, okay, I'm in this thing now. Now, what is that thing that pastor told us to do? Um, 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 um. When you need it, I want it to be able to flow out of you. And so over the last couple of weeks, what we've been talking about is we've been talking again about the four-step battle plan. The very first step, if you remember, uh, a couple of weeks ago that we began by talking about was to be strong. Say it with me. Be strong. strong. We want to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in our relationship with God and aware of what God can do. The next thing we talked about was to armor up. Say with me, armor up. We need to prepare, we need to have on the complete and the full armor of God to be able to withstand the attack of the enemy. The next thing we talked about was simply to stand. Say it with me, stand. In other words, we need to be able to hold our ground. We, we don't want to retreat when we get in, in, in a battle with the enemy, but we have to be able to hold our ground. And the final thing we talked about was simply this, was to pray in the Spirit. Say it with me, pray. So, last week we also talked about, as we were moving through this series, we talked about the fact that in order to live like a champion, it requires us training like a champion, right? To live like a champion, it requires us training like a champion. And last week as we talked about, there were three key elements that we discussed as we talked about living or training like a champion, and the first of those the first of those things was insight. Insight. We needed insight. And if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that um, I think we had Tracy up here, and she had that big jersey on. You remember that? And, and, and we were talking about the fact that, that we need to have the insight. We need to remember that the armor that God has for us is for us, that we can't, we can't rely. We can't depend on, well, you know, I'm going to use my mom's armor. Or I'm going to use the pastor's armor in this battle. No, you have your own armor that God has for you, and you can't take on the things that you're not supposed to wear. The second step that we talked about was inspiration, was inspiration. We talked about David. You remember in the fact that uh, we, we need to attack the attacker. We need to attack the attacker. We, we don't necessarily always need to be defensive, but we need to attack the attacker. And when we're talking about David, 
uh, you remember the fact that David was so inspired because what? He had done the same thing to a lion. He had done the same thing to a bear. So Goliath was no big deal to him. And, and as we're inspired, you should also be inspired because you should take a moment when you remember again how God has done for you in the past. When you remember everything, every situation, every opportunity you had to fall, every opportunity that you had to be killed, all of these different things that came up and God said, no. Every time God protected you, that should inspire you. So despite what you're facing now, it shouldn't intimidate you. It shouldn't scare you. You should know based on what God has done in the past, based on his track record, Based on his resume, that should give you the inspiration to move forward into the battle that you're getting ready to face. The last thing we talked about last week was instruction. Instruction. And you remember the instruction last week was simply this, was to leave our baggage. Right? To leave our baggage. That we have so much baggage. We have so many things that we've built up. There's so many things that we're carrying around, right? We don't even necessarily know how it even got there in the first place, but we're still carrying it around, okay? I, I, I know I just recently moved, and, and I got a whole half a garage of stuff, and I'm like, how do I even have that? Why do I have that? I have baggage. I need to get rid of it, right? But we all have stuff. Do we all have stuff? We all have stuff in bags that we got to get rid of. So that was the instruction is to leave our baggage. And it's my hope, it's my prayer that, that as we near the end of this series, that uh, you've been strengthened, that you've been encouraged, and, and hopefully you are better equipped to deal, uh, to deal with the enemy, that you're better equipped to resist and to... Uh, resist the push and to resist the presence of the enemy. My hope is that you will be able to remain standing in the time of conflict. So as we move into the final message in this series, I want to bring in some football terms uh, if I could, okay? Uh, I want to take this opportunity to coach you up. Okay, I, I want to coach you up a little bit. I, I, I want to I caution you. I, I want to tell you, hey, you need to stay alert. Uh, I, I want to tell you, you got to be ready. Uh, there's an old football term that says, especially when you're around the pile, but the, the, the coaches that always say, keep your head on a swivel. Okay, whenever you're on the football field, you should always be like this because you never know which way somebody's coming to hit you, right? You never know who's coming up to take the ball away from you. Do you guys know the name Leon Lett? Anybody remember the name Leon Lett? Leon Lett. Let me tell you about Leon Lett, okay? Leon was a member of the, uh, I think it was the 93 Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys team. Uh, the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl. By the way, let's not talk about the fact that it's been 20-some-odd years since the Cowboys have been back to the Super Bowl. We're not going to talk about that. But 
Leon was on the team, and, and, and in this particular game, the Cowboys were ahead 52 to 17, okay? The Buffalo Bills were getting crushed, okay? And Leon let, <laughs> he still, no, he, he went down in history. He was infamously down in history for the following play. I, I want to show it to you this morning. Sound? It's a fumble. He had it knocked out of his hand. He was oh, hot-dogging no. and held it out at the two-yard line. And from behind, the Bills came and knocked it out of his hand. Oh, 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 it's not, not going to be a touchdown. No, it's not. Don Beebe caught him from behind. Scores 52 to 17. Leon Lett picks up the fumble. Leon Lett starts running toward the goal line. Leon Lett gets close to the end, and he starts to style and profile. And he slows down, and he puts the ball out. And Don Beebe runs all the way down and takes the ball from him, causes him to fumble at the very end. The score is 52 to 17. There is no chance of Buffalo winning that game. But he doesn't quit. And, and what I'm trying to tell you this morning is, is that the devil never quits. Regardless of the score, he knows the fact he's already defeated. He knows the fact that he's already lost, but it's important for us that we can't get close to the goal line and start styling and profiling because we know the enemy is still trying to take the ball from us. See, you got to know exactly who's out to get you, and you got to know who's out to grow you. Who's out to get you versus who's out to grow you. See, we got to be careful. We can't let our victory in the battle today cause us to be off guard for the war tomorrow. I'm going to say that again. We can't let the victory in the battle today cause us to be off guard for the war tomorrow. So in order to kind of take a look at this, I want us to go to a, a lengthy passage of Scripture. I want us to go to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through, I'm sorry, 1 through 13. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, this is commonly known as uh, the temptation in the wilderness or when Jesus is being tempted. And looking at the verse, you'll find these following words. Um, I hear some pages turning, so I'm going to give you guys time to get to it. That's good. Glad you got your Bibles with you. Uh, it says this, starting at verse 1. Again, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Say it with me, hungry. And then the devil said to him, 
Huh. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all of this will be yours. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It goes on to say, Then he took him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle, or the highest place of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, okay, this is the devil. That's quoting scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, unless you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 13, this is where we're going to lock in. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, not permanently, until an opportune time, until the next opportunity, until the next chance. See, Many of us are familiar with this passage of Scripture. In this passage of Scripture, we see that Jesus is tempted. I'm sorry, Jesus is gone into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And you remember last week we talked about the number 40, and we talked about how whenever you see the number 40, that's always significant because it signifies a new beginning. This was signifying the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And But after we see that after Jesus has been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights, we see that he is tired, right? We see that in the scripture, amen? He's tired, amen? And that he's weak. And we've talked about this before, but the devil always seems to show up right when we're tired and when we're weak. Yes? And so... While Jesus is tired, while he's weak, the devil shows up with a series of temptations, and these temptations are going to, to, in essence, meet his physical needs, and they're going to speak to possessions and power, and they're going to speak to protection and pride. But throughout this exchange, one of the things that we see is that Jesus never, ever, ever falls back or resorts to his feelings. Jesus doesn't say, oh, I feel like this. He doesn't say, oh, you know, it's just kind of, I'm feeling in this moment I should. You know, he doesn't ever fall back into his feelings. Because, again, being tired and hungry, he's hangry. Right? He was angry. He was high. He was hangry. But he didn't fall into that. Okay? 
what he does is Jesus in that moment of fatigue, in that moment of temptation, he relies on the word. And his response is simply this. It is written. It is written. See, everything that the devil throws at him, he's coming back with the scripture. He's actually coming back out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Okay? So when the devil's throwing something, he's like, oh, it is written. But here's the thing. When we see this exchange, one of the things that we notice is this, is that Satan quotes Scripture. Okay? Satan, guess what? He knows the Word. He knows the Word. And, and, and that's why, honestly, it's so important. I don't care who says what about anything. I don't care if I say something. Okay? You need to know the Word for yourself to make sure that I ain't gone crazy. Or anybody for that matter. You've got to know the word for yourself. Because here's the thing. Satan is quoting scripture. But you know what he likes to do? He likes to twist it a little bit. He likes to leave out some. So, so if you don't know anybody, you're like, oh, you know, that, that, that sounds that, that sounds good. That, that sounds like something God would say. But it's not what God said. Okay? So, again, it's not enough to just know the word. Because Satan knows the word. What Jesus is, Jesus knows the word and he obeys the word. He knows the word and he obeys the word. And that's the thing is Satan, he can't obey the word. He knows the word, but he can't obey the word. Amen? Amen. So, again, what I want us to do is I want us to focus, I want us to kind of drill down on what happens after, after Jesus rebuffs or rebukes Satan's uh, attempt with the word. And as we look at this, one of the things that we notice is this, is it did not, it did not happen for Jesus. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen for us either. And that is simply this, is that once Satan leaves, that he stays gone. Okay? Don't you wish that when he left, that joker would stay gone, not come back no more? Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. Right? I wish he had a little Ray Charles on him. He just never came back. Right? But we know, right, that that's not the case. When he leaves, he doesn't stay gone. When he leaves... As the scripture ended, it says, until the next opportunity, okay? So he's constantly looking for the next opportunity. But here's the thing. I'm so glad that, that Christ strengthens us, that Christ protects us. And, and during the next opportunity, during the next time, during the, the time after that, and every other time after that, I'm so glad that every time the devil tries to come at us, Christ is there. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, says this. It says, 
So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Wow. That in itself, having a high priest who understands our weaknesses, who understands our struggles. Why? For he faced all of the same testings we do. What? Everything that you are hung up on, every temptation that you struggle with, everything that seems like an obstacle for you in your faith walk, it says he faced all of the same testings. But he didn't sin. That's important to know. He didn't sin. So, let us come boldly, okay? Let us come sheepishly. Let us come timidly. Can God, do you mind? I'm sorry. I don't want to disturb you, but Jesus, do you think maybe just possibly? No! It says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Again, I need you to hear that. I want you to understand that. I, 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 I got to get you to see that, again, we have a high priest, someone who, is, uh, who intercedes for us, who understands our test. He understands our temptations. Why? Because, again, the Word says that he faced the exact same things that we do. But he didn't sin because, see, if he sinned, he couldn't be the high priest. He wouldn't be in that position. But because he has faced all the same testings we have, he has a level of understanding and insight that only experience gives. See, there, there are certain things that you only learn from experience. Amen? Amen. So there's a certain amount because he's experienced it, there's a certain amount of knowledge that he has. So he, in turn, he paves the way. Jesus paves the way. He paves the road with grace and mercy to help us when we need it most. When we need it most. During our temptations, during our test, when we need it most, he helps us. Now, here's the thing. When you look at temptations and tests, tests and temptations, um, they are, appear to be very similar sometimes, but let me tell you, tests and temptations have very different outcomes, very different outcomes. Um, I don't know about you, but is there any scripture in the Bible that you see that you sometimes just wish it wasn't in there? You're like, you know, God, I love your word, but I just really wish you could just kind of remove this one. You know, 
Can, can I just share one of those with you this morning? I, I, I'm going to let you in on my issues. Okay? Uh, this, this next, I, I, this, I love the word. But I look at this one, I'm like, oh, Lord, do I really? He's like, yeah, okay. But James chapter 1, okay? <laughs> James chapter 1 says this, okay? It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. I can think of a lot of things I want as a gift, but not a test and a challenge, right? But you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. I, again, that is one of those scriptures. But you're like, yeah, once you get through it, you're like, yeah, I got it now. I'm glad for it. You wouldn't have chosen it, but you're glad after you make it through. I, I love what R.T. Kendall says. He says this, that every temptation is a test of faith, and that every test of faith is a temptation to lose faith, right? Every temptation, it tests our faith. But every test is that temptation for us to lose that faith. So, again, even though they feel, okay, very much the same, and, 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 and sometimes it's hard to even distinguish them, but I got to let you know this. Again, temptations and tests come from very different places, okay, come from very different places. See, temptation, if you're dealing with temptation, you're struggling with temptation, temptation comes from the flesh. Temptation comes from the flesh. And, 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 and when we see and we're dealing with temptations, it's easy for us to see the fingerprints and the handprints of either ourselves or worse yet the enemy on that situation. But when we're dealing with test and we're dealing with being tested and testings, we see the fingerprints and the handprints of God throughout our test. So, we deal with temptation. We talk about temptation. Frederick P. Wood says this. He says that temptation itself is not sin. It's the call to battle. So being tempted is not sin, but it should be a wake-up call to let us know you're in for a fight. Amen? So there are a couple of things that I want you to remember this morning as we talk about temptation there are a couple of things that I want you to know specifically as it relates to temptation, okay? The first thing I want you to remember is this. As it relates to temptation, that is not uncommon. Say, it's not uncommon. According to 1 Corinthians, now here's the thing. 
whenever, now I don't know about you, but whenever I am tempted with something, I, I think, man, I'm, am I the only one? Am I the only one that struggles with this? Am I the only one that I seem to get hung up by this? Right? Anybody ever feel like that? Anybody ever just get like, you're, you're, like you just get tired of dealing with the same thing? Well, here it is. It, 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 it's not uncommon. So whatever you're dealing with, there's somebody else in this room probably struggling with the same thing. Because if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Okay? But here's the good part. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Okay? Now, I'll be honest with you. I have not served God all the days of my life. Okay? There was a time in my life I just, God wasn't a priority. Okay? And there were times, you know, when, let's just, let's just say, you know, you're riding along in your car, okay, and you've you got your foot on the gas, right? You're going, you're doing your thing, right? Then the exit pops up. Oh, here's your way out, okay? Now, whether or not you choose to take that exit, that exit's still there, okay? A lot of times we make the choice, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to keep speeding down the road, okay? But you have the opportunity to get out, Right? Even in my days when I just didn't even think about the Lord, okay, I can remember wanting to do wrong, and there was just this little thing saying, you know, you don't need to be doing that, okay? Now, whether I listened to it, I can't say I did all the time, but, but there was always that little check, and I kind of knew it, and, and, and I could try to ignore it, okay, but I knew it was wrong even when I wasn't saved. And see, it was nice to know that even then the Holy Spirit was calling me. Even then the Holy Spirit was protecting me. Even in my crazy mind, Holy Spirit was still, come on, boy, come on back. We got you. Amen? So the first thing, again, we're talking about is that temptation is not uncommon. The second thing we need to know about temptation is this, is that temptation is sourced from the enemy, okay? Temptation is sourced from the enemy. So James 1.13, as we walk through James, says, and remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. See, here's the thing. Oftentimes, things don't work out like we want them to. Things don't turn out like we plan. And the first thing that we want to do is we want to look at and we want to point the finger and we want to blame God. Well, God, why did you let this happen? All this bad stuff. God, where are you? We want to point the finger and we want to say, God, it's your fault that this happened. Okay? But the Scripture says God is not tempting. He... he He's not tempted to do wrong, okay? And he doesn't tempt anyone else. So when we look at our life and we see all these things that are 
out of whack and, and, and aren't where they should be, it's not God's fault, okay? It's the enemy's fault, okay? So temptation, again, is sourced from the enemy. The last thing you need to know as it relates to temptation is this, is that temptation is designed to separate you from God. Temptation comes in your life and it's designed to separate you from God. Again, moving through James, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions or give birth to sin. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Okay? It gives birth to death. So in other words, temptation is the seed Sin is the plant, and death is the fruit. Temptation is the seed. Sin is the fruit. I'm sorry, sin is the, is the plant, and death is the seed. Is the, you know what I'm saying. I said it right the first time. Um, but now, that's temptation, right? That's the temptation side. But let's talk about the test. Let's talk about the testing side, okay? Um, I can't ever remember a test I ever wanted to take. I don't know if it's because of the grades I made in school. I don't know. I just never, ever want to take a test. And test, you know what? Test. They don't feel good. Anybody feel good about tests? Tests don't feel good. They actually feel worse than temptations. Amen? Um, I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says that tests or hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. Testing. Testing, again, helps prepare ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Abraham was tested, was he? Okay, maybe. I, I, I thought he was, maybe not. Never mind. I'll, I'll just skip that part. I guess I was wrong. Uh, was Job tested? Oh, okay. Okay, I got that one right. Jesus was tested. So, it's natural to assume that uh, T will be tested, Greg was tested, J is tested. We look around this room, and every single person in this room has been tested. We will be tested. But here's the thing. When we talk about testing, Testing helps us realize, testing helps us realize just how much we know and how much we've grown. Testing helps you realize how much you know and how much you have grown, okay? When I was 12 years old, a long time ago, when I was 12 years old, when it came to things and matters 
of the basketball court. I was a bad boy. I was the man. In my neighborhood, couldn't mess with me. Okay? Every summer, every summer, my dad would send me to basketball camp in Kentucky. Go to Kentucky every summer. I went from being the man, I get up to camp, and for two straight weeks, I couldn't score. I couldn't make a back. I would get there. They would block my, they wouldn't just block my shot. They would launch my shot into the stand. Boom, get that out of here. And it would just, I couldn't play defense. I couldn't stop anybody from scoring. I get the ball. They steal it from, they would, I, for two solid weeks, I was terrible. Terrible. Okay? But then, your boy went home. I went back home. And you thought I was bad before. I was a beast when I got home. People were like, what happened to you? Everything I couldn't do now all of a sudden, because here's the thing. That test pulled stuff out of me that I didn't even know was in me. That test allowed me to see exactly how much I knew, and it allowed me to grow. I wouldn't have done that had I not been tested. Amen? So again, testing allows you to show exactly what you know and exactly how much you've grown. Another thing about testing is testing is an opportunity for you to demonstrate your faith in God. When you're tested, that's the opportunity. That's the opportunity to show God. That's the opportunity to show the world exactly about your faith. That happens through a test. The last thing I want to tell you about testing is this, is that testing extracts. It it, it releases the value that's inside of you. Okay? Testing releases the value that is inside of you. In other words, testing produces gold. Amen? What do you mean? Well, tell me what this is. Championship ring. Championship ring. That's a good-looking ring, isn't it? Whoo! Whoa. Whoa. The Mavericks, Bulls, Warriors there. When you look at these rings, these rings are symbolic of something, right? They're symbolic not only of winning. When you see guys that have these, this doesn't mean only that they've won. Yeah, it means that they're won. It means that they're the champions. But it also means this. It means to have one of these, that means that they've passed all kind of tests. They've passed all kind of physical tests. They've passed all kind of mental and emotional tests. You have had to pass some tests to have, to have one of those. Now, when you look at these rings, what are these rings typically made of? I hear diamonds. What else? Gold, right? Gold, diamonds. Diamonds, gold. Right? That's what those rings are made of, yes? So let me ask you this. 
Um, what exactly is a diamond? What'd you say? Pressure. Uh, well, the, the, the gold, I'm sorry, the, the, the diamond is a lump of coal. Okay? A diamond is a lump of coal that increases in value and worth only after being subjected to heat and pressure. A diamond is just a lump of coal. But when you put that heat to it, when you put that pressure to it, all of a sudden it changes and there's a new value that comes in it. Gold, gold like diamonds, also has value in its natural state, right? You can go and you can go panning and you can find like a, a little nugget of gold or something like that. But the gold only has value or its value is maximized when it is refined. Yes? So, have you ever seen anyone work with gold? Okay? You've heard the term pure gold? Okay? Let me tell you how they get to the term pure gold. Okay? And I'll just call it a pot. It's got another name. But, but the goldsmith will take the gold, he'll take the raw gold, and he'll put it in his little pot. Okay? And you know what he does? He puts the heat to it. Okay? He puts the heat to it. And you know what happens is as he heats up that gold, it begins to release impurities and it floats to the top. Okay? And as this stuff floats to the top, it's called dross. And he'll take a tool and he'll scrape it. And you know what he'll do? After that, he'll turn up the heat again. And he'll repeat this process over and over and over again. He'll turn up the heat, it'll release impurities, he'll scrape it. Turn up the heat, more impurities are released, he scrapes it. He does this over and over and over and over again. Okay? But do you know when he finishes? Do you know, do you know how he knows when to stop? Anybody want to know? Y'all are, are y'all sick today? Usually y'all are the hype crowd. Listen, after he heats this up time and time again, after he scraped all of the dross, all the impurities off, you know when he's finished? He's finished when he can look into the pot and he can see his reflection. Do I need to make the connection for y'all? I know y'all are a little sleepy today. Do I need to make the connection? Do I need to tell you this morning that the reason that the heat is being turned up on you, the reason that you keep feeling it getting hotter and hotter and hotter, the reason is because the master, he's looking at you and he's saying, can I see myself yet? Can I see myself in your life? Can I see myself in your marriage? Can I see myself in your family? Can I see myself 
in you. You're being refined. That's why the heat is being turned up. Because he's looking. Can I see myself? Oh! Can I see myself? Zechariah says this, 13, mm. says, Zechariah 13, verse 9, says, I will bring that group through the fire, and I will make them pure. I will refine them, test them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. So, again, as the ushers go ahead and begin to pass out communion, If the heat's being turned up in your life, don't automatically assume that's happening because you're being tempted. Don't automatically assume that just because the heat's being turned up, it's from the devil. It could be that God is refining you. It could be that God is shaping you. That God is crafting you to look like him. Some of life's greatest blessings come disguised in the form of tests. Again, his greatest blessings come to us. Disguised in the form of tests. So... So we take a moment to begin to prepare our hearts and reflect that we have the perfect model, we have the perfect example of how to make it through a test, how to make it through a temptation in Jesus. So as we observe communion today, we'll take a few moments to reflect and be thankful for what God and for what Jesus has done for us.
Again, as we hold our communion elements, this is the ultimate reminder to us, the ultimate encouragement that you can make it through your tests and through your temptations. Because this is the reminder. This reminds us that Christ did the same. And we are the beneficiaries of that. We are the recipients. Because he allowed his body to endure the torture, because, as the scripture says, by his stripes we are healed. This reminds us, again, that Jesus passed the test. He passed the test. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ that was given for us. We thank you, Lord, that every single thing you endured, Lord, is inspiration for us to know that we can make it. We can make it through today. We can make it through tomorrow. We can make it through next week. We can make it because you have given us the strength and the example by which to do so. So, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. And we thank you with our whole heart for the body that was given for us. Let's all take and let's eat together. Thank you, Lord. Now we hold the cup. The cup is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. This is the blood that, that, that cleanses us and any effect that temptation may try to have on our lives, the blood says, no, I've covered it. The blood cleanses us. The blood makes us righteous. The blood enables us to go boldly to God's throne and stand before him without any stain, without any spot, without any sin, without any blemish. We thank you, Lord, for the blood that was shed, the blood that brings us into fellowship with you. We love you. We thank you. Let's all take and let's drink together. Mm. On your way out, the ushers will have, uh, our hosts will have receptacles at the door so you can just take your cups and uh, just want to remind you, uh, we've got a couple of sign-up sheets out in the lobby. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer for our upcoming Hope Las Vegas event, uh, we've got sign-up sheets out in the lobby. Uh, we certainly would love to have you come out and help us minister to the community. Uh, another thing we have a sign-up for, we've uh, got sign-up sheets for to bring your special dish. So I think there's different things that as we're celebrating um, Pastor David and Randall next week, uh, if there's something that you want to bring, I think there's some uh, sign-up sheets out there for that. Also, we've got hamburgers, I think. They're cooking out there uh, to benefit our Hope Las Vegas uh, event in November. Uh, am I forgetting anything? Oh, that's right. Thank you. We'll have prayer partners uh, up front here following service. Uh, if you'd like to, again, dedicate your life to Christ, if you just have a special need, uh, we'd love to pray with you uh, following service. Amen? Good day in the Lord. Amen. We belong. We're strong. We're champions. Together. God bless you.